Good evening, ladies, and welcome to Torah with the Takeaway, Parshas Toldos. Today we're going to speak about the brachas. This, this, this parsha is a very blessed parsha, and uh, there's a lot of wonderful things. We're in the month of Kislev, where all kinds of miracles can happen for the Jewish people, and um, some of this I've said years past, but I can't get away from it, but I do have additional information as well. All right, we're bringing you the first presenter of tonight is Rabbi Wolfson Schlita, who's the Rav of Amunas Yisrael in Borough Park, very deep, profound thinker, very fantastic shul, where they dive in really slow, but sure, over there. And um, he like, it's like it's a Hasidish kind of thinking, but it's a Torah Vadas mix, whatever it is, that's the, Wolfson, the Rabbi Wolfson's uh, Hasidim over there. Anyways, this is what he says about Parshas Toldos. Great lessons. Let's see what we can get from them. First of all, he mentions Parshas Toldos in general is a story of blessings. Every aliyah either has a bracha given by someone like Yitzhak or a bracha is fulfilled to have children. Every single aliyah of this Parsha. It's the sixth Parsha in the Torah. Six is an idea of brachas. Because women in Mitzrayim had six children at once. We also find Yosef as the sixth of the Ushbizin, according to the Zohar HaKadosh. And Yosef is the only son in Parshish by Echi who has a specific bracha directed at him. And also Yosef means Lahosif, which means to add on. He had two Shvatim, he had two, two uh, tribes emanated from Yosef. So it's a lot of blessings. The Maral says to have a blessing, you have to have something to start out with to begin with. Um, because the word bracha has two dub has doublings in it. Base is two, resh is two hundred, and chaf is twenty. So you have to, once you have something, you get a bracha, it just expands upon what you already have. Well, one day the life of these two twins, Yaakov and Esav, changed forever. When Avram Avinu was Nifter, we find they were 15 years old, according to most of the Forsham, Yaakov and Esav. Yaakov was cooking lentils, standing by the fire. Esav, just for the first time, committed five sins. Number one, he raped and engaged women. This is all brought by the, the Beinu Bachai, brings it down, that, um, and he brings proof from the Pesukim. He raped and engaged women. He denied Hashem. He denied uh, resurrection of the dead. He scorned the birthright, and he killed Nimrod all on that day, the day of, that, of Avram Avinu's passing. Now, let's ask our, we're going to have five questions today. Let's ask our questions and get some amazing answers and life-changing lessons. Okay, first of all, why on that particular day? If you're going to say it's due to the death of Avram Avinu, Rashi says Avram, in fact, was being spared by passing away at the age of 175. We should all reach that age. You know, that, that um, you know, he was spared. Uh, he was supposed to live to 180. And because of Esav losing it on that day, Avram was meant to pass away before, so he wouldn't witness it. Um, also, so it's not due to the, the meets of Avram. Why did it all happen on that day? Secondly, Yaakov is described at that scene when they were both there with the birthright and everything. Yaakov was Ishtam. He was an innocent person. Innocent. Some people say Tam means naive or it could mean foolish. Uh, it could also mean perfect. Mimus means perfection. Um, Yaakov was Ishtam. Esau was called Ish Hasadeh, the man of the field. And Rashi says Ish Batel. 
a lazy good for nothing. Now you're somebody's in the field. Is that making fun of all the farmers in the world? Like, but they're anything. But if you call batel, I wouldn't think to say it about farmers. Farmers, in fact, are hardworking individuals. Get up early in the morning, working with their muscles all day and night. Why is he called an ish batel? Number three, this whole birthright. What kind? You know, this is for posterity to to tell the Jews that they're they're given the birthright. You know, to serve in the base of Mikdash on behalf of Hashem. The whole birthright is based on a bowl of lentils. You know, Avram went through such great pains to get Maris and Machpelah, last week's Parsha. He even gives pays full dollars, right? And he bows down to all the people and speaks like a real mensch. And he gets everybody's permission to sell, you know, the field uh, to bury his wife. And now in this week's Parsha, we find that, you know, a bowl of lentils suffices for generations to be the acquisition of the birthright. Question four, was Yitzchak fooled or not when he wanted to bless Esau at the end of his life? And why did Rivka know and not him? Find that uh, it was very well known that, that uh, usually a prophet could just look at you and tell you what was wrong with you. They said about the Arizal, he could look at your forehead and tell you what sins you committed. And even in, in uh, generations previous, Rav Nassim Vachvogel says that the Chafetz Chaim could not be fooled by anybody. He looked at you. He could tell you what you had done. You know, he knew if somebody was a sinner or not by just looking at him. He wouldn't shake hands with certain people. And he never met them in his life. I mean, there's stories about Chaim Kanyevsky Shlita that uh, three men came to him for a bracha for something, some Russian, three more Russian men. He told them he didn't get a bris mila. Now, how did he know? I mean, is, is, is there's something with the tzaddik. He knows certain things. How could it be that Yitzhak could be fooled so much by his son Asa? And last question. Yaakov, the way he got the blessings from his father, those famous blessings, you know, that for posterity, the blessings that everyone wanted so badly. Yitzhak was so upset that he didn't get, I mean, Asa was so upset he didn't get the blessings and um, that Yitzhak gave to Yaakov. And Yaakov did it in not such an honest way. He dressed up. You feel his arms, those hairy arms, you know, and his name wasn't even Harry, you know, and then there's, um, you know, the, the, you know, all the whole thing. And he didn't tell a lie. He never told a lie, but he said, Anochi, Ace of the Chorecha, you know, <laughs> I am, Ace of is your firstborn. Like he didn't say untruth, but why did he have an acquisition forever? The Jewish people's whole background is based on shtick. It's something that's dishonest. Like, how can we understand this whole thing? So here are our questions, ladies. Let's come up with some amazing answers and life-changing lessons. Are you ready? Okay. Now, first of all, we said a little bit about this last week, but I, I have to say it again. It's such a beautiful imagery, and this is Revolson's thought about time. He says that time is not something you pass through, like a time machine, like those all those things that they talk about in science fiction things, whatever. But time, rather, is an entity in itself. It's a gift. It's a gift from Hashem. You're supposed to picture that in your living room, in the morning, this huge easel, this huge canvas falls down into your living room with a background painted on it. Today, the plumbing is going to break. Today, this is going to happen. That's the background, and you have to paint the foreground of your easel. What are you going to do with it? Every day is unique. Now, here's where we did not mention Every day is unique. At the end of the day, the easel goes back up to heaven. That's it. And that's it. You can't fix it. There'll never be another day like today. 
never be another moment like today. Now, Rabbi Loi Shlita says that if a person's exhausted at night, you don't have to say the whole Shema. You could just say Hamapil and the first paragraph of Shema. But I would say number three, I know I didn't ask Rabbi Loi this question, but number three fits in what we're saying. There's a paragraph some people omit, but they really shouldn't. It says, Every night we say, if I did any sins, I forgive everybody. Please, Hashem, forgive me if I've sinned. That is cleaning up that day, that, that, that chunk of time that you've just gone through. Anything you did wrong, you have a chance to fix it. If any of you ever noticed in the uh, Shrona Esrei, in the Amidah, in Shema Koleinu, there's a paragraph. And in the art scroll, in fact, they highlighted it with gray. That, you know, um, like, Hashem, forgive me, Ana Hashem, Chatasi, Abisi, Peshati, Lefanach, or whatever. You can ask every day. You can ask, do a mini tshuva for all your sins. Now, I asked Rabbi Lowy about this, whether a person should do this, and he said, don't do it often. Because Rabbi Lowy is of the belief, I'm just saying it, he's my rav, and he's probably the rav of a lot of people here. Rabbi Lowy is of the, of the feeling that you shouldn't interrupt your Shemona Esri for anything. You should say things at the end of Shemona Esri, because then you get all carried away thinking about this, that, and the other, and you forget that you're in the middle of Shemona Esri. The same idea here, if a person is... Um, uh, for example, um, Rifa'enu. A lot of people insert people's names, you know, for Tadavan for Below he feels you say it at the end of Shmon Esri, unless it's a direct relative. Because other than a direct relative, a person could, uh, again, get carried away. Oh, this aunt in Vancouver has this. And then when you start thinking and you, you forget that you're in the middle of Shmon Esri. So for this reason, we don't, um, you know, we don't interrupt in the middle of Shmon Esri per se. However, it is an idea that every day is a certain entity and we have a chance to fix it because it's going to be gone. That's it. Then there's bigger blocks. There's like, it says that Erev Shabbos is a time to do tshuva. Let's not get too nervous now that it's so early. Like that's, uh, you know, Erev Rosh Chodesh. We even have Yom Kippur Kutten. That's a very important thing to say. There were problems, I believe, in, in Toronto in a certain area. And um, somebody asked Rav Chaim Shlita, what should they do? And Rav Chaim said people should say Yom Kippur Kutten. Um, you know, it's a time, you, you, there, are, there are places in town, people can go, you know, to, to say Yom Kippur Katan. It's like a mini Ni'ilah that many congregations have accustomed to say before Rosh Chodesh comes in, in shul. And women do go to this, by the way. Now, all these days and chunks and weeks and months, and even the Arab Rosh Hashanah is a time for tshuva, um, they don't return to a person. You can't revisit them. I mean, Yom Kippur, you can kind of make some editing. <laughs> but at the end of a person's life, all these days come back as malachim. That's when a person has all his days come back to him. And that's why the last day of a person's life is very, very powerful. And uh, that's why it says about Avram Avinu, right before he passed away, it says he was Baba Yamim. He came with days. What does it mean he came with days? It means that... Rav Shem Pinkus, the Chronicle of Racha, explains that um, in the olden days, we used to call people, out of respect, you'd call them their altar, the old one. You said the altar from Kelm, the altar from Slobodka, you'd have the altar from Navardic, and then later on, later they changed it to Saba, to Zaidi. And he said it's actually lacking respect, says Rav Shem Pinkus, because there's, there's nothing negative. People think it's negative to be old. Young is, you know, they don't have any wrinkles. They don't have any, any uh, what do they call the dark age spots that people get? They don't have any of that. They're all beautiful, not missing a hair, not all the hairs are the right color, whatever it is. 
the um, but the problem is every every time in a person's life has advantages and disadvantages. We spoke last week about that young people are more impulsive, but they're not as settled. Here's another thing to think about according to Shimshon Pincus. He says a you a, a young person their whole life at this point is all their dreams about the future. They live for the future. The doctor, the lawyer, the who knows what, the, they'll have a family of 50,000 children and all the other dreams that they have, you know. The older person no longer has the dreams. A lot of times the older person's thinking back to the past. Oh, if I only did this right, if I only did that right. The truth is, says Shimshon Pincus, a person really has to focus on the present. The whole trick is the present. But the older person really is not something to be ashamed of. Rav Noah Orlowick Shlita says, if you see a gray beard, information station. It says, Avraham Tavazikna, Avraham Avinu Davin, that you should be able to recognize the difference between the old person and a young person. Why? Because an older person has gone through life. Even a non-Jew, even a person not wise, not from, not anything, that person has gone through life experience. They've learned something. So when Avram Avinu, he said, Davin for the Amit, when he'd go get up, get called up to the Torah, if he'd, if he'd learned something, he's there with 175 years of quality time that he spent, Baba Yamin, with all of his days. He took his days and it changed him as a person. And that a, per, a young person cannot necessarily say that they're changed because they're hoping to change and they're dreaming to change and they're aspiring to change, but the changes have not happened as of yet. What's happened is that they're still dreaming. So there is advantages to being an older person. But the only way, as we said, to acquire that those days is in the present. How often is it drink Shmona Esrei? Most people are either in the present or in the future, in the past or the future. Even if they say they have a cake baking in the oven, they're thinking, I hope it doesn't burn. Thinking about the menu for tonight. They're thinking about what they have to get at the store. They're thinking about what they did wrong yesterday and how they had a fight with their, their mother-in-law. I don't know, whatever it may be. Everybody's thinking of all kinds of things. But the point is, we're supposed to be focusing on the words of Shmona Esrei and to whom are we talking? That's what we're supposed to be doing. And instead, we've got all these other things on the line. We're not living in the future. I mean, in the present. We're living either in the future or in the past. They say so many times that one of the things that the, uh, he says, a lot of times we don't realize psychologically, subconsciously, we're making calculations. He says a person makes a cheshvan. They're thinking, I'm going to make about 100 brachas today. So when I'll say this one, I'm going to rush right now. I've got carpool. I've got this. I've got that. So they're going to rush through their, their – and meanwhile, who says, what if this is your last moment on earth to make a bracha? You're going to put your whole heart and soul into it. it we lost – the eight of heart gets us every time because we're making – we're calculating. We're thinking what's going to be in the future, what was in the past. Meanwhile, right now is where we get Olam Haba, is putting the best quality into what we're doing. But being somebody, Baba Yamim, coming with days is really a tremendous thing. Coming with days means that what we're doing is we're saying that we that, that you 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 lived your life, you know, you you had the experiences, you have you you had this yainus, you had all kinds of things, and you grew from it. Because we we have to grow with you know usually people don't get worse. I mean, if anything, life usually you learn some life lessons from life. Now. 
when we said we established already that the value of time and how time works and how the present is how we gain anything in life, but that the youth are worrying about the future and the old people are worried about the past. Um, and also some people focus on the past because that's when they're at their best. You know, the best thing to do for someone elderly is to talk to them about what they did in their past because those are the memories they have when they were very productive and they did so many good things. A lot of people have a lot to say from their past, and a lot of people don't even think of having those type of discussions, but um, they can be very valuable. Any case, those days, those times all go away. Each time is unique. It never comes back again, except as we said, on the last day of a person's life, all of his days come back as malachim to surround him. This is what Revolson says. On the last day of Maishu Rabbeinu's life, he was called Ish HaElokim, a man of God. Never was he called by that title when he says, Harani Kaven Mea Ve'esrim Shana. Now I'm 100, 120 years old. I, I'm not kidding, sorry. Hayomani Mea Ve'esrim Shana. Today I'm 120 years old, he said at the last day of his life. And he could call himself by that name, or Hashem could call him Ish HaElokim, because on that day you're more elevated than you are during the rest of your life. Of course, you have the test of your life on the last day of verse two, by the way. You're tested... Ramban even says a person should write us something saying, I'm giving a, um, I'm writing down that in case I, I, I don't agree, if I, if I say something against Hashem the last day of my life, I regret it. I hereby regret it. That's what the Ramban suggests that people write. But in any case, so we find in Sefer Malachim base, Elisha, when he sees Elion the last day of his life, he says, can I be Pishnaim Baruchacha? Can I be double your spirit? Now, how can you ask somebody to be double their spirit? They can only give you what they are. They can't give you double. But now we understand what Revolsa is referring to, that on the day of your last person's day of his life, a person can really be much greater than he is when he's alive. A person has unlimited potential beyond the last day of their life. And Elisha saw the fiery chariot as Elio ascended. And indeed, he had doubled the amount of miracles performed by Elisha than performed by Eliyahu because he was there on the last day of his life. That's why it's a big Indian in Kabbalah. The person should be at the deathbed of a big tzaddik. It's a very big Indian, like you absorb some of that kedusha. In modern times, we find the Hassan Sofer regretted that he wasn't at the, the bedside of his teacher, Rav Nassim Adler. He said he would have been a much greater person had he merited to be at his bedside. So, so far, we've said that time is a gift, an entity. Older person is a higher quant quality to them, and um, and they sh it's gonna, we should look for the information station. We also are saying that the present is where we gain, and at the end of the person's life, all their deeds accompany them. Now, what happens when these twins turn 15? Yaakov was sitting and cooking lentils. Why was he cooking lentils? Because that's the shiva of Yitzhak. So Yitzhak is sitting shiva for his father Avram. That's the day that Avraham died. Um, by the way, just as an aside, you know, do you know we cook lentils. Uh, we cook lentils because we're trying to say that life is a cycle. I, so I think it's from Michal Birnbaum. Just when I get further, I'll, I'll, I'll remember. But I think um, we, it's, a, it's a sign of, uh, of that, that there's a cycle, but also to show that this is life. Like if a person, you know, it says, Saras Rabim Chatsi Nechama. If, if many people experience a pain, it's like half a comfort. One person is in pain, they feel it's only me, 
But if they feel everybody else is going through it, it really takes down the anxiety level when you hear that everybody else is going through what you're going through. So a person knows death is commonplace and it's part of life. It's the life cycle. It's a comfort to the people that are in mourning when they get, you know, when they get their round items at the beginning of their shiva. Today we give, you know, like hard-boiled eggs or round rolls or bagels or something. And, and there they give lentils uh, as a comfort for the mourners. Now, says Rob Wolfson that there's always a balance in the world. The day that Avram passed away and Yitzhak, and, um, and Yitzhak was, I'm sorry, Yaakov was cooking lentils for his father. That same day, we, if you remember at the beginning, we mentioned Esav killed Nimrod. Hashem always has to make a balance of power in the world. He had a big, huge Sadik in that generation, Avram. He had a big, huge megalomaniac named Nimrod living in the same generation. Yaakov and Esav died on the same day. That when they went to bury uh, Yaakov, if you remember, there was this whole quarrel dispute that broke out, and then they killed Esav, and his head rolled into the Mara Samachtela. That's according to the Medrash. So they died the same day because Hashem wants people to have free will, so he always makes a balance of power. He makes equally amounts of good and bad at the same time. Story in the Gabar and Hagika, Rav Yeshua ben Hananiah was supposed to, supposedly tremendous in debating heretics. One time, his students asked him, Rebbe, who's going to take your place to, to debate all these non-believers? And he answered, don't worry, when I leave this world, heresy is going to decrease. You know, we find that, that when the second temple was destroyed, by the way, even in the second temple period, there were not as many miracles as in the first temple period. And um, there was no prophecy. Prophecy was taken away because the sages said that idolatry was becoming so, you know, big in those days. They, they asked Hashem to remove idolatry, so Hashem had to take down everything a notch, and he removed prophecy to equalize free will. Today, even though we do have, you know, idolatry in the world, we have Hinduism and Buddhism and a lot of others that I probably don't even know about, it's still not the majority in the world. Most people, even Christianity, the Rambam feels it's idolatry, but not everybody does. And um, it's also, it's at least they're talking about God. It's, you know, they may think he's three, but at least, it's, you know, that's why it's not, it's a dispute about Christianity. But the Rambam does feel it's idolatry. Islam is totally one God, you know, that the monotheism. But in any case, there's always free will in the world. So this, it's not for naught that the day that Avram passed away, Nimrod passed away, and that's the day that the, the, they switched hands for the birthright. Now, at 15 years of age, what was Yaakov doing? Yaakov most likely was by his grandfather's bedside, absorbing all that Kedusha, doing Bikr Cholim, doing Nichum Avelim, you know, visiting the sick and, and comforting the mourners and everything. Esav was with Nimrod at his deathbed because he murdered him. So imagine the forces within these two people, again, the balance of power hung on that particular day, each was influenced by who he was with on his deathbed. That's the balance of power. So how could Yaakov have sold the birthright just with a bowl of lentils? Maybe Asaph later is going to regret what he did and take revenge, or just simply, is it right? So Rabari Lebach, the Colonel Bracha, says that Yaakov really understood his brother's nature. We find Esav 
Um, yeah. Okay. Asaf really, you know, is similar to the word asu, which means made. Physically, when Asaf was born, he looked like a grown male. He's all red with a beard and the whole thing, you know, I'm like, you know, with like a little baby like that's kind of weird, but that symbolized really his whole outlook on life. Asa felt like there's nothing else to fix, you know, just give me the next pleasure or the next uh, desire, or the next interest. That's, that's all he lived for. He never introspected. He saw everything in a very superficial way. And we, you know, it says like, for example, um, it says by Ace of Halitanina, pour it down my throat from this red, red thing. He didn't even discern what the food was. All he cared about was his starvation. And it says by Yaakov Bayelech, by Yivaz Esav Esabachora, that when Esav, uh, when Esav decided to get rid of the birthright, he got up and he, he had to like make it uh, psychologically palatable to himself. So he said, that's nothing anyways. Like we see him constantly pushed and pulled by different um whether it's anger, whether it's jealousy, whether it's whatever it is. He held a grudge against Yaakov for years. You know, he's chasing after him so many years later. Yaakov was fear, fearful for his life. We find that, um, you know, no introspection. He didn't realize he had anything to fix, you know. But usually a person is created very frail state. A person is not developed. In fact, it says, Shor Ben Yomo Kori Shor. It says in Baba Kama, that usually a person that, uh, a person, a shore, an ox, that newborn is still called, referred to as an ox. Why? Because an ox pretty much, more or less, pretty soon can do anything a full-grown ox can do. Whereas a human being, we can't even talk until we're like two years old. You know what I mean? You can't even walk until you're one years old. You know, we're made purposely like that as a as a message, as an inspiration. Let's do that every time we see your child or grandchildren or great grandchildren. By those of you that merited that on this line, um, you know, when you see a child and its development, remind yourself we're supposed to be always growing. We're not supposed to be same old, same old. That's not that. That's not what God intended when He created man. Now, Yaakov, on the other hand, says Rabaxed, Yaakov, it says in the Slichas of Yom Hamishi, uh, Yaakov Katan Vidal, that Yaakov is small and weak. That Yaakov, even though he had a name change, Avram last week's parsha had a name change from Avram to Avraham, right? Now, when he had this name change, it says in the Gemara, whoever calls Avraham Avram, over Ba'ase, you did something wrong. You did something terribly wrong. Uh, you ridiculed your forefather who's greater than he was originally, right? Yaakov got a name change. He was called now Yisrael because he fought with the angels. However, he's still called Yaakov and Yisrael interchangeably throughout Tanakh because the quality of Yaakov that remains with him forever is feeling like he's the Akev, he's the heel. He is the guy that's got to grow. He's at the bottom, and he has to still get up on top. That is supposed to be the attitude of a Jew, and that was our forefather Yaakov's attitude, and that's the difference, the primary difference between him and Esau, is that Esau felt he was completed, and Yaakov felt he wasn't. So Yaakov felt, according to a box, was a fair exchange. He just felt all he needed is a bowl of lentils. Birthright, birthright to me is, if anything, responsibility, spiritual responsibility. I don't want to engage in that. I don't want that. You know, they felt that um, 
you know, he says, by the way, the Azan Torah says an amazing interpretation. Why does he call it this red, red thing? Because he says since, since Asaph had committed his first murder on that day, is like Hamlet. What was it, Hamlet or Macbeth? I don't remember anymore. Too many years, and I'm not interested whatsoever. But he saw blood everywhere. He saw red. He saw, you know, reminded of the murder that he had committed. So the same thing, um, you know, that so he felt like I don't want all this responsibility. If I have to be a bachor in the base of Mikdash, it's like a, a kohen. There's all these things you can't do. You can't defile yourself, and you can't defile the korbanos. And it's chayav misa. You could be punishable by death if you do certain things wrong. He says, what do I need this whole thing for? So for him, it was worth a bowl of lentils. It wasn't a mekach taos, as they call it. It wasn't an unlawful sale. It was a proper sale. That's what he was worth to him. He'd rather have his bowl of lentils than he would to have his responsibilities of for growth. Who needs to grow? I'm it already. There's nothing else to, to, to think for. Now, the... Um, Yaakov looked for responsibility. We call our highest people in the Jewish community the Talmud Chacham. Talmud Chacham is a Torah sage. Now, why do we, Talmud means student, and Chacham means wise. Why do we call them by this dual phrase? Either you're a student or you're wise. You're not usually a student who's wise. But by us, the greatest people are ones that always feel they have to grow and learn. They're, they're not complete. They're not complete. They're always a Talmud. They're always growing. You know, even though you, you know, you're not supposed to finish the job. You're not supposed to, you're not, you're not supposed to finish the job, but you're supposed to try. You're supposed to look for, for ways to grow. Any way you can grow, you're supposed to look for it. Now, Rav Box tells us that a person can be up. You know, when the person goes on vacation, like there's different approaches to vacations. Everybody needs to get away and to, to, you know, change up a little bit so you can relax. And Gadolim used to take vacations in Europe, but he says, what do people want to do on vacation? They want to, they don't want to have any responsibility. They don't want to have to even get dressed. I'll be in my pajamas all day tomorrow. That's going to be my vacation. You know, I can eat when I want. I can sleep when I want. I can do everything when I want. But he's, but you're not moving if you're doing something like that. A person is supposed to be a person that's growing. They can't be someone that stays stagnant their entire life. So Esav was Isha Sada. Maybe he was a farmer, but he was an Ish Batel because he had no purpose. He valued peace, tranquility, no sweat. You know, he doesn't mind working if it's going to get him his bread and butter for tonight. But anything beyond that, why bother? Why should he stress himself over these spiritual matters? It's, and, and anyways, he's already complete, you know. So that's why it was no, no whatsoever. It was no, you know, change up. It was no falsehood. It was no bribery. There's no problem with this, the selling of the firstborn. Because for Asa, that's what it was worth. Because that we learned that first important lesson. Besides the lessons we learned about time and its importance, how it's a gift, and how the present is where we get everything, and at the end of life, there's a balance of power and everything accompanies us. We also learned that Yaakov was cutting the dial. He was always working and striving, whereas Asa felt this, you know, the game is over and there's nothing more to do. You know, we all get complacent sometimes. And, uh, and especially when we're going through such difficult times now, we have to really wake up. I'm talking to myself. We have to wake up. We can't, People get complacent. People are... I just read an article somewhere. Somebody said there's more junk foods being consumed this year than ever. 
I could imagine that, and I bet there's never been as much on the internet, and probably I would say Netflix or whatever these kind of things are. I bet there's a big guts go on all this kind of stuff, and people are feeling, you know, let's make the best of it. And we have to cheer ourselves up, but we have to realize that there's some kind of mission that's required of us at this point. We have to grow with this situation as well. We're not supposed to sit there stagnating. Now, says Reb Nassim Vachogel, he says that Asaph, according to the Chida, Asaph had a hundred times more potential in brain power than Yaakov. He was much brighter. If Shimon ben Gabriel said that he honored his father greatly, but he doesn't think he honored him a hundredth of the time that Asaph honored his father. So he had some great outstanding qualities. Those things were very outstanding. And, and Yitzhak thought that Asaph had the same like characteristics as him, and he thought he would overcome his physicality and support Torah. That's why he was prepared to give him those brachas of how he would, you know, overcome this world, utilize this world, and use it for Torah. And according to some of the Rishonim, those five sins we mentioned before, and I couldn't, I tried to research this, but it was a miss, the footnote was wrong in the Sefer that I read. So those five Averas that Asaph committed on that day, according to some of the Rishonim, was not as horrific as it sounds when you hear it, you know. Like, for example, he's killing Nimrod was, of course, he was a mass murderer, so it's not such an Avera to kill Nimrod. He maybe had all these reasons. But his problem, says Nassim Bachvogel, okay, Rav already said that his first problem was that he didn't contemplate things. He didn't do any introspection. He thought he was perfect. According to Nassim Bachvogel, it's a little bit different, slightly different. He says... He went according to his environment. When he was in the Tata's house, he was asking his father, how do you take Meiser from salt? You know, and all these like other brilliant questions uh, or, you, you know, uh, or, uh, things like that. He didn't get married till 40 because his father didn't get married till 40. Yitzhak never married till 40, so Asaph said. But Asaph had all kinds of things going on on the side, you know. Even though on the outside he was this little from a guy, but on the inside, whenever he left his place, he, he, he lost it. And how important it is to stay your place no matter where you are. Like you can't have different standards, let's say, in Miami that you do than you do when you're shul in Toronto. Um, the Vilna Gon says that if he, if Asaph would have gotten the brachas, he would have been the father of Klal Yisrael and he would have done tshuva. And we feel that Asaph will, at the end of days, do tshuva. And, uh, but he did not, he went according to his environment. He just followed the crowd and that's, you know, or followed his feelings. And he didn't, he didn't stand up against his feelings, take a stand. Remichel Birnbaum Shlita, as the Colonel of Racha tells us that, um, the whole idea of him calling, you know, seeing the external trappings, like seeing a lentil stew as uh, this red, red thing, it's, it means that he, he didn't, when not, but lacking introspection sometimes manifests itself, he says, in the, the arguments that people have. Some people always want to have the last word. They want to be right. They have to be right. Now, it's very good to be right, but you'll never change if you're never wrong. You know what I mean? So you're seeing the externals. Externally, you're right. You're right. Yes, and you're right again. But did you change? Did you move? They say things about big gedolim. I know they said about Rivaron Cutler that he never was the same from month to month, always growing. You know, and that's what a person has a mandate and a potential of, of being, which Asav did not take advantage of. By the way, I just want to insert this. Years ago, I looked up, you know, I was always curious why there's a custom to serve 
um, to serve something round at a um, uh, what's it called at a ugh, I, tonight it's escaping me Shalom Zachar at Shalom Zachar we serve chickpeas Arbus and they're round and I looked it up in the safer called Tamamin Hugim years ago and it said believe it or not because when the child is born until his bris he's like he's born but he's not a Jew yet so it's like it's like the father is in mourning. You are, the people that attend the Shalom Zakhar are comforting mourners by attending the Shalom Zakhar. And the main mission of people going to a Shalom Zakhar is to give a bracha to the child. Give brachas. You can maybe take some beer too and some, you know, uh, whatever it's called that they serve over there. But the main function of the tzibur in uh, Shalom Zakhar is to give brachas to the child. They should grow up to be a great person because he's not yet a Jew totally. He's like in no man's land. And they don't do this for women because women are already perfect. They don't need any fixing. So they don't have to go through a bris to be a Jew, you know. And that's why for a boy they have to do that, but not for a girl. Now, another thing that Rav Nassim Vachpogel says, that the difference between Yaakov and Esav is that Yaakov was willing to suffer a lot in order to, you know, get the brachas. Like he had to like go against his whole nature. If Yaakov Kamenetsky says that, you know, Yaakov was the man of truth. Just like Avram was tested a lot in his kindness, like he had to get rid of his wife, send her out. We find that, um, um, I'm sorry, that Avram was tested right with his chesed. Yaakov was tested with truth. It says, Titain emes le Yaakov. Yaakov was a man of truth. And here he had to go through all these shenanigans with the birthright. And he had to go again with the shenanigans. His mother told him in prophecy, I'll take your curses. She told him to go against his father. Like he had to pretend he's Asaph and this whole masquerade she had from Nebuah that he's supposed to get these blessings. That was a big test for him. It was huge. And Nassim Vachbogel tells him, that when a person is willing to embarrass himself, that's when a person can get, achieve greatness. He gives a lot of proof. He says that, for example, Eliezer became very great because he always used to say, Eved Avraham Anochi, I'm Avram's servant. He minimized himself. And through that, he became a great person. It says by Yechezkel ben Buzi. Some people postulate that Buzi was not his father's name. He's called Yechezkel, the son of Buzi. Buzi means to humiliate yourself. Because he was willing to humiliate himself, he was considered great. It's considered praiseworthy for a person to be humiliated or suffer or suffering when he does a mitzvah. If you are zayichet to such a thing, they said that about someone recently I read about it in the Yated, that somebody that was in a shul that did a lot for the shul, a gabai or a, an Eretz Yisrael, he died when he was serving cake on, I don't remember when. And they said that was huge because he was there benefiting people. And at that moment, he passes away. That shows, you know, he was in the middle of doing a mitzvah. Same thing when a person's embarrassed for a mitzvah or is put into jail for a mitzvah or something like that. It's, it's huge in heaven because a person's willing to go through such embarrassment. This is like Esau was not willing to go this extra mile, but Yaakov Avinu was. That's another big difference between the two of them. Now, why did it have to come through deceit? So the Sitzhe Chaim tells us that the reason this happened was, from the Zohar, it says that Yaakov had to correct the sin of the first man. The first man was deceived from the snake, from the serpent, the Nachash. And Nachash now is, is being, they're, they're coming back again to face off. The Nachash, the serpent, is Esav, 
And Yaakov is supposed to correct the sin of the first man, since he's the third of our forefathers, and he has the complete 12 tribes of Israel. He's coming to correct the sins of his forefather. Now, here's the thing. What, 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 is, what is he correcting? Like, what, you know, why didn't Avram do it? Yitzhak, why only Yaakov and why, and what is he correcting in effect? So really, the Zohar says that the serpent gave a bunch of lies, calculations, you know, like maybe Hashem uh, doesn't want you to live forever. That's why you can't eat from the tree of knowledge. You know, all those things was a bunch of lies, a lot of it. He, he told Chava, touch the tree, you see, it didn't die. But there's more than that. In, the, in a lot of the sperm, like Rav Dessler brings down from a lot of others, the main, if you have to put it like on one foot, and it really is because it's a hard, big discussion, the main sin of the first man was that he made calculations. He didn't just do what he was told. Hashem gave him one commandment. But he said, you know what? I'm too perfect the way I am. If I sin, then I'll be on a lower level, and then I'll get up on my own two feet. I won't be through God granted all this greatness. I will achieve it myself. And this was a mistake on Adam's part because you don't overthink Hashem. You know, you don't have to overcalculate Hashem. You have to do what's right, and Hashem will help you. You know? And Yaakov here was, had to say, he, he was the man Ishtam. He didn't have all this chachmas. Hashem, his mother told him to do something. He felt, this is what my mother wants me to do, and she's willing to take curses for it. I'm not going to do calculations. I'm just going to go after it, and that's it. That's exactly the opposite, not to calculate when you're doing the right thing. I heard something on the Bitachan hotline a short while ago, and I just think it's worthy of repeating. Brings down where Victor Miller says something that, you know, I, I'm confessing to you tonight. You'll know another personal aspect of my personality, and that is I was born a type A. Okay, I'm one of these type confession, confession of a former type A personality. So um, any case, the, he says like this, that it says in the Kumara that if you take large steps, you will lose your eyesight. What does large steps mean? Rushing around. Or Victor Miller says, you rush around, you're going you're gonna to have a loss. It's going to cost you your health. It's going to cost you. I said it means wisdom. And he says, by the way, Kiddush can correct your wisdom. That's what Gamar says. So he says, and we talked on the hotline, he was saying that if a person feels they have to get somewhere, we have to make efforts. But whenever we feel we're rushing, then we're, taking, we're making calculations. I am the one that's going to get me to my destination. We're not thinking that Hashem is going to leave. I have to do what Hashem wants. Why do I have to be such a nervous wreck? Why can't I just do what has to be done? And I'll get there. I'll, I'll, I'll reach my destination. I'll eventually get there. That's how a person's supposed to think, right? And he says, like, oh, what about Zrizus? You're supposed to do things with alacrity. He says there's something in the Vardic they call Zrizus B'Menucha. Like, first you're supposed to be relaxed. And then you have to run, run. But you have to run relaxed. Because if a person doesn't, they feel they're in control. And this is what Adam Arishan wanted, which is the sin of the first man. And he said, he, there is not one guttle that you can name, not one great tzaddik in the Jewish people that ever existed that was nervous. They're the most calm people. If you've ever been in a room with a tzaddik, and I've, I've tried to go to several of myself in my lifetime, I've never met a nervous tzaddik my entire life. And just look how that flies in the face of the world that we live in. 
the people that are go-getters, those are people that are, you know, they, they don't stand there on the, they're climbing the corporate ladder, they're doing all kinds, those are the people that are successful, and those schleppers, you know, but this is really, no matter what we do, this is any moment of our lives, we're doing what Hashem wants us to do at that minute, so why should we get nervous when we're not in control? It's, it's not going to, and that's what Kiddush corrects, by the way, Kiddush is an idea of saying, God created the world, this lady, Move away. You're not going to control anything right now. Hashem's taking, you're in his car. He's taking you in his limo. You don't need anything else. You have Hashem leading you. This world, says the Sif Sechaim, is called the Alma de Shikra, the fake world. Like Rebetzin Steinman, Sechran Levracha used to say, it's a Narashaveltala. Or some people say a falschevelt. You know, it's not the real world. This is the false world, and we're all running, and and the entire thing is a mirage. And Yaakov was being tested. Are you going to just do what's right, or are you going to do what you think to have control? And Yaakov, it was a huge test, as we said. He says it's the tilim that says hasila nafshi bistas sheker. Yeah, and we say that until that was originally those that phrase was coined by Yaakov Avinu, who said, "Save my my mouth from speaking falsehood." And look what he had to do. He had to say, uh, "He's dressed up, looking like somebody else, and he's, he's he's trying to sound, you know, he's speaking in a different voice, but he's saying his type of words." I mean, the whole thing is a huge test for him. But we believe that sometimes if you fake things in the inside, in the outside, it's really because of the inside. Whereas if people fake things in the inside and they're rotten into the core in the inside, that's, that's what counts. The inside is what counts, right? Now we do believe that this can be employed sometimes, says the Sipsechheim. Of course, we should do external actions. But Victor Miller said you have to be the world's biggest hypocrite. You have, you feel angry, but instead you're saying, everything's wonderful right now. I just love life. And meanwhile, you're boiling up inside. You're going to eventually change your nature. You're eventually going to make yourself a better person just by, by changing the way, you know, you speak. So Yaakov on the, out, on the inside was a truthful person. He had to do slightly physical acts and he was begging Hashem, these physical acts that I have to do, please don't make me a liar by the physical acts that I'm going to employ. We should use physical activities to make ourselves internally a more honest and decent and good person. All the things we want, just do it by doing it. Just like Nike says, just do it. That's going to influence us. However, the inside is what counts ultimately. And Jacob's inside was more important. And he didn't do any sin at all. And he was, this is a commandment from Hashem that he had to do this. You know, Rambam says, there's a mitzvah at the end of the Torah, Tamim tiyu im Hashem alakechem. You have to be, pure and innocent with Hashem. Rambam says it's not one of the 613, but it's in- inclusive of all the 613. Because no kunsid, not to make any, you know, you're not fooling around, you're not trying to manipulate, you're not trying to deceive, you're not trying, that a, a tum is a person who is perfect, but perfection means a certain naivete. Like, I'm not going to do any shtick. I'm not going to make things go faster. I'm not going to change my life. I'm going to do what I have to do in life, but Hashem ultimately runs the world. The story about Rav Zundel Kreiser, Becher Tzadik Levracha, from Yerushalayim, Yerushalayim, very special man. I don't know if any of you ever went in. I went in twice to him. 
and his face was like innocence of a child. His eyes, innocence of a child, really beautiful. Anyways, he had this thing. I, it didn't happen with me, but I was told that that when people would come into him, he'd pull out a phone book and start looking around as if you know that's all he looks at is phone books. You know. And meanwhile, this man was learning Torah day and night, and very, very, very holy man. So he did that because he wanted to, you know, he just didn't want to look. He didn't, he, he didn't have a need to impress people. There's another story that shows his perfection of character and his simplicity. That when he was an older man in his 80s, he, used to, he went from the age of 13, he used to go to Vasikin, to the earliest minion in the morning, the sunrise minion. And on one particular day, he was accompanied with his grandson, by his grandson, and he fell down. Until he got up, it took a while, and they stood up, and the grandson said, Zeta, we can still make it for Vasikin. We can still chaperine the minion. We can still get to Shvona Esrei by, by Nates, by sunrise. She says, Ich bin nicht kein Kunstmacher. I don't make any, I don't have to do things different. I'm going to daven with my whole heart and soul like usual. I don't have to rush to get Vasikin just because I've always done it since I'm 13. And this is a, a man that wants to be pure and straight, and he's not trying to find shortcuts. He wants to do it right and do it perfectly. Now, Rav Palm, Zechron tells us, it says in the Drushes Haran, that why did this whole thing have to happen, that Yaakov had to steal the brachas? It should be that Asaph should be our mortal enemy forever. Either he's our enemy because we try to be too much like him and we forget our particular mission, or if we stray, Asa feels, I was denied the blessings. Well, you have no more claim to them than I do right now. Uh, if we stray from Torah, Asa's the one that's going to pursue us. Rivka risked her life, and she even risked getting a divorce for this whole thing. She could have gotten a divorce um, had she, um, had Yaakov, had Yitzhak figured out that she advised her son to not listen. But at the same time, we find she brought this whole thing into the world of, of the, the dominion of Asaph. Like when a, we fail, Asaph is there ready to get us. And this has always been our history in Gullahs, how Asaph has been our, our arch enemy. And we had a problem all because of these blessings. And it's a real blessing for the world because Asaph now maybe doesn't directly get that blessing of supporting his brother Yaakov in his spiritual pursuits. But indirectly, when we fail... Asaph is right there to still make sure the world stays in its balance and that everything goes the right way. So let's just review. We talked about time, the past. That's where we can get life is a present and let's live with the present. But the, the living a longer life actually gives us more blessings. We have to remember that. Remember, Asaph had no self-growth, self-awareness. He, he never suffered. He didn't go, want to go through suffering. wasn't willing to go through the option of suffering. How it was a correction for the sin of the first man. And sometimes we have to use things. Like you're allowed to lie, for example, for shalom bias. You're allowed to lie to save a life, you know, in certain, certain occasions. You know, we're allowed to use these things. We don't want it to affect us. We don't want it to affect our inner selves. And we should employ this tactic of outer things to, to bring out our inner world. I thank you very much for listening. And I wish all of you a wonderful, blessed kids' life and a blessed week from the Parsha that's full of blessings. Thank you for listening.